Hi, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And we're here to keep it real, raw, and what it means to be the confident woman. All right, so today's topic is going to be about, well, a sober curious movement, a word I just learned myself. But it's funny because I feel like you never know where inspiration's going to hit you. And so I know I, the other day, was just on my Instagram, on the stories, scrolling away. And I see a friend of mine posting about a book that she had read about alcoholism, I guess, or like, so curious. Oh, I'm just going to say the sober curious movement because I don't know what the book's called. She can tell us here in a second. But just about like focusing on sobriety and not drinking alcohol. And I just found it interesting because I think in our society today, everything's revolving around alcohol, whether you're happy and you want to celebrate a moment or you're sad or you're angry and you drink because you're mad or catching up with a friend or so many social events it's always geared around alcohol being involved. And I just found that really interesting um, that she was going through reading this book and um, doing these sober challenges. So I reached out and asked if she would talk to us about it today. So just kind of hear her um, experiences with this book, what she's learned from reading it, and her own experiences and some of these challenges as well. So Morgan, thank you for agreeing to be with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited. So first off, what is the name of the book? Because I totally forget. I know you said there was a book you read. Yeah, so the main book I read, I read two, but the one that I continuously go back to is called The Naked Mind. And it's by an author called Annie Grace. Her name's Annie Grace. The other one was Quit Like a Woman. And that one was by Holly Whitaker. But I have found that I um, reference The Naked Mind a lot more and refer it to people when they ask me about it. Okay. So what what happened? Well, how did you get on this thing? You, someone suggested it to you? You were just... Seeking. No, it was kind of like how you found yep. my post. I have a friend that I've been friends with since second grade. She lives overseas. We keep in touch pretty much through social media and... I knew she drank. She did a lot of social functions. That is kind of her life over there. And I noticed she started posting about sobriety. And she was very open on her Instagram about how she had decided to get completely sober back in March. And I noticed her talking about it a couple months later. So closer to May. And it just perked my interest. So I started messaging her some questions. And I think one of the reasons it perked my interest was because we were kind of coming out of the quarantine. And I don't know about you guys, but I found I drank a lot more often um, during quarantine. I was super pregnant or I might have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was, I, I had a little one or I have a little one, but yeah, we would just, the days kind of all rolled together. So, and it was bothering me. So it was something that was kind of like, when I would lay my head down at night, I would kind of think, oh, I just don't like how I feel every day. It wasn't a, there was no problem. There was no rock bottom. There was no talk like Morgan, I think you're drinking too much. It was just something that was kind of pestering my own heart. And so when she posted about this, I was like, well, that's kind of coincidental, but is it? So (laughs) I just started asking her some questions and she's the one that referred me the book. So that's how I found it. That's great. Because then it just, you know, when, when you kind of go through those points, it's just that, you know, don't, you don't necessarily have to have like this big breaking point or something like that. It's just kind of something that's on your heart. Like, you know, your soul, you like your soul just tells you like, Hey, maybe we need to to do something about this. And it's never really a big awareness, but it's just a really cool point that you make and just really being in tune with who you are and like what you're connecting to that. So I'm curious to know more about this book, because I think 
we do tend to have so many social events or things are just so centered around alcohol or getting together or, you know, it's just, I never really thought about that as a whole until Aaron had asked me about it as well. I said, you know, this is really a great topic to talk about because we do find ourselves in these situations, whether we're in this pandemic and lockdown and, you know, just experiencing this where things are just really heightened. So it just, it kind of brought me back to my center. I was like questioning, maybe this is something I need to learn more about as well. Yeah. So what's the biggest because I know for me, like we talked about before, I was like a rec league junkie. I feel like I was in every volleyball, softball, turn like league possible, where it's like, it's not like I was like wasted every day, but like you have a few drinks while doing those things. So I felt like it was like every day I was drinking and it was just like part of what you do. Like you show up, you meet your team before the volleyball games, you have a couple of drinks before, you have some drinks after, like that's just what you do. It's just so common and normal. So I remember like having to take times where I would do like 30 day like detox because like I said, it's not like, like what you were saying more. And I don't think it's like, you have to be like, Oh, I'm an alcoholic. I need, I need help. But it's like, just, okay, why am I drinking all this, all this t- all the time? And what would it feel like if I stopped? And I know doing those 30 day detoxes during those times, it was like amazing. Just for me personally, how much more productive I felt like you just have like more less brain fog, I guess, would be a way to say it, but just felt more like focused and more energetic throughout that 30 days. So it's crazy because then it's like, well, why did I ever go back to drinking? But like drinks taste good. And I like wine. But, right. No. So what's something that you've noticed, I guess, because you did the first one, you did like 37 days. Yeah. So I decided after I kind of was like, I want to try this. I've done, you know, obviously when I was pregnant, I've done a few other times where I've stopped drinking here and there, but this was focused on a, a few things. This was focused on, I wanted to lose the rest of the baby weight. Yeah. And I knew that I wanted to change just, you know, how much I was able to work out. I wanted to change some habits, um, yeah. but it ended up being mostly of taking alcohol out completely. So the first time I did 37 days and the whole reason behind that was because I was turning 37. So I just decided if I'm going to, you know, I think I decided to do this. My birthday is June 30th. So I decided to do it maybe the week or two before. It might've not even been that much. And I knew it would be somewhat of a challenge because 4th of July is my favorite holiday. So I said, if I can do my birthday, 4th of July, get through that I'll be golden. That wasn't even really the case. I feel like some of the days that I craved having drinks were like a random Wednesday after work, you know, friend or something. So my first one was 37 days. It ended up going into 40. And then I had a night away with my husband. So we had some drinks that night. But the whole thing that the book talks about is changing your like unconscious mind. Mm -hmm. So it goes through all the impacts that even one drink has on your whole system from brain fog to anxiety to heart issues. You could have a couple glasses of wine and not feel hungover the next day, but that doesn't mean that there weren't side effects from those two glasses of wine throughout your sleep, all of that. So it just goes through everything that is impacted when you have even one drink. And so it almost makes your mind not want to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, like that level of awareness that there, where now it's not like, oh, this tastes good. Now it's like, I'm jacking my whole body up. Yes, because they say, once you know the information, you can't unknow it. Right. You're pouring all this information into your head. Yeah. And so next time you go to get a drink, you're thinking, wait, do I want X, Y, and Z the next 12 hours? So that for me, 
and it truly, I have had drinks since, I have drank since, but I will say there have been days where I could easily have had a glass of wine and I just said, no, because I want to sleep good tonight. I want more patience tomorrow with my daughter. I don't want to wake up and have anxiety. Like all yeah. of that stuff came through my head and I was like, it's not even worth it. Right. right. It brings you to like a whole different level of, of, of awareness. And it's almost like mm-hmm. this off because now that you, now that it's like there and you're aware of it, you're just kind of like, like you said, you want to sleep better. And, and I noticed like when, when I, when I wasn't drinking for many of my competitions, I just became, I was so much more clear, more focused, more energetic. My lips were solid. Just everything was just beautiful. And then it was kind of on that wish list, like after competing, I was like, oh, I can't wait to have some wine. And as soon yeah. as I had wine, it was like, I almost spit it out. It tastes like poison. It was so bad after going that long. And I don't know, Aaron, when your first glass of wine, if it tasted how you remembered it, or if it just tasted different after, you know, having your first glass after, you know, the baby. Yeah. What was your take? Was it exactly as you remembered it or did it kind of taste different or like? I guess it probably tasted different. And again, we always like build it up in our mind. But it's funny what Maury was talking about, like how you don't want to feel the next day because um, we did go out to my aunt's out on the lake and have a few drinks and like waking up at like six in the morning with the baby after having some wine is not fun at all. So it definitely makes me think more than once now, like how much is it worth it to drink this much when I got to get up with the baby in the morning? But yeah, and it, but it is, I don't know. I feel like when you think of alcohol as a whole, like if you just really were to sit and just like explain alcohol to somebody that's never had it or knows what it, what, what it is, and you would just say like, it's this drink that you put into your body and if you drink too much, it makes you do really stupid things and you can't walk and you might stumble and fumble. Like if you actually just explained the core of alcohol, nobody would drink it at all. I think it's funny that like, especially like here in America, just because I know like whenever Ryan and I would like travel and like go to Europe and all these other countries, you just notice like it's normal because kids are drinking wine at dinner and that kind of stuff. So you don't like see people out hammered where then you come to America and like take Vegas, for example, where it's just like sloppy everything. You know, I think it's just like, I don't know if it's like a taboo thing when you're a kid that you know you can't drink alcohol until you're 21. So you want to drink alcohol because you're not supposed to, you know, it's like a weird, like mental thing. So I think, I don't know. I think it's weird. I think it's weird looking back in college and being like, thinking about the things that I would put into my body just to go out. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's just, like you said, it's just, it's almost like that restriction thing. So like, you know, you couldn't have it. So it was off limits. So as soon as you did have it, you're like, you know, how do you pace yourself with just like having one or two drinks? And then it kind of, we, we adapt those behaviors that carry out throughout X years later. And so now we're not 21 anymore at college. So things like we, we start to refine that as we get older, but now we're starting to see like our body doesn't metabolize it like it used to either. So it's just different. Well, they talked about that and I found this very interesting. So alcohol is one or two, like number one or two of the most addictive substances, period, above cigarettes and cocaine, I'm pretty sure. And they say it's the only drug that we glamorize to a point that like kids grow up and think, oh my goodness, at 21, I'm going to get to like use this drug, Mm -hmm. but they don't put it like that. And then you have this huge party where everyone is drinking. You would never do that with cocaine. You'd never be like, at 25, you get cocaine, (laughs) we're going to have a big cocaine party. 
True. And they glamorize it. And it's this slippery slope because essentially anyone has the opportunity to be an addict to alcohol if they drink enough. It truly is that addictive. So it's the slippery slope of like, it's glamorized. One day you'll get to drink alcohol, but don't drink too much because then you'll be that bum on the street. Like, and so it's, it's just this battle for some people, a lot of people. Yeah. You're constantly kind of like, okay, well, I can't drink too much because that's frowned upon. But then if I don't drink, you're frowned upon. And it's like, where do you fall? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a hard line as far as what is considered normal or acceptable, but it definitely, especially in America, I think is glamorized and just like you said, involved in every single activity. And that was the other thing I was kind of shocked once I like removed it. I was so much more aware at how much it is involved in like everything. Like even I'll notice like a play date, not even a play date, but like there was a neighborhood conversation and the girls were like, let's celebrate surviving the first week of school with walking to our kids with mimosas. And that's at like what, eight in the morning on a Friday. And then you have like the whole rest of the day. And maybe some people can handle that. I would not be like a great mom nor would I want necessarily my daughter to know that I'm like walking her to school while drinking. (laughs) But it's so normal. So like, I'm not judging or faulting those people because it's truly, it's on television. It's normalized. Like I have now been almost like awakened to like kind of how backwards some of the normalization of alcohol is. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Most is at 8 (laughs) a.m. I mean, it sounds Which like having like a brunch and doing nothing else. <laughs> I do love a good mimosa. I love a brunch. I'm not, that's where it's been really interesting for me because I definitely have a history of drinking. I've drank pretty much all my adult life. I love a night out with friends. I love a brunch with girls. Like I love all of that. Yeah. So it just totally has changed my perspective, but it's not in a judgy way. Just right. like I'm there, I'm with you. I still have those times for sure. Right. So it, just, it, it, it changes your relationship with self and the need yeah. of dependency upon something else. Yeah. I think that's a great way of saying it because I, it truly, and that was the goal. My goal was not necessarily to say I'm going to be sober. I found that I was kind of in that weird space of like, I'm, I'm not an alcoholic, but I definitely am not comfortable with how much I'm drinking. So I'm like kind of in this weird you know, like, I don't think I need to like go to a meeting. Like, yeah. I think they would kind of be like, I, I think you're good. But then I'm also something was bothering me. Right. And so I, I went into this thinking, I just want to change my relationship with alcohol and make it where it's not, do I have to drink? It's, I don't need to drink. I don't, I, I have that choice. When right. I go into an event, I get to make that choice and the choice shouldn't be so difficult. Right. So two things, cause I'm curious if like, since you started, like, like that peer pressure from people, because I am totally guilty of being that person a lot of times where it's like, come on, why won't you have a drink? You know what I mean? I've, yeah, I'm was I've too, for sure. <laughs> sure. So 100%. have you experienced that now or are people just kind of like, well, we haven't done a lot because of quarantine. Right. So now I can't say I have, my husband's not a big drinker, so I don't get it at home. Yeah. He'll like, when we have our nights out and stuff, he'll drink, but he's not a daily drinker, he could take it or leave it. So I'm, I'm fortunate there that there's no peer pressure there. 
the only other time I've been around, we have some neighbors that we hang out with and they're like super supportive. So that hasn't been difficult. I haven't been out with like my girlfriends yeah, because of all the quarantine stuff. I think it wouldn't be peer pressure, but it would be hard for me because those are like some of my most favorite nights, even though they haven't always ended well, but I love, you know, my nights out with my girlfriend. So I don't know if there would necessarily be peer pressure from them. I think it would be harder for myself. Yeah. Right. And I think for for me, when I had to do that, I had to, I had to explain myself. And I feel like when I explain myself, it almost made them feel guilty for drinking Mm -hmm. as if I was putting it back on them. I'm like, no, this is just my goals. I'm competing and it doesn't fit into my diet. And obviously that's not, you know, it's not conducive to where I want to be, but it was almost like a defense triggered them. And they're just like, oh, so apparently we can't drink around you. And it's like, it has nothing to do with you. And I felt like that was, it was kind of just like, like the elephant in a room with, with some of the relationships where it was, I just found myself pulling away because I was like, well, if you're going to be defensive and you can't be supportive, this isn't about you. And it's not about me. It's about just you know, having choices and being respectful of, of, you know, an individual's choice. And that happened years ago. And I really just saw this wedge divided between me and those, those individuals. And I'm just curious to see like how that happened. Like you said, you have this support group and I'm just curious to know, like once things kind of really open up, like how people just respond differently, I guess. Yeah. They talk about that because as soon as you say you're not drinking, mm-hmm. you do get why? You know, yeah, I've had multiple people ask me if I'm pregnant again. Yeah. Like, that is like the initial, because I will say I'm, like I said, I'm super social. I like to have a good time. So yeah. for Morgan to like not have a glass of wine was probably weird, but we haven't, like I said, been around a ton, but they do talk about how people like what you said, exactly. People automatically get defensive and have to justify why they are drinking, <laughs> even though you're, you're, it's not about them. Like you're doing this for you whatever your reason is. So they actually give you in one chapter, like things you can say, if you want to just kind of like nip it in the butt and just not even go there. But I found for me, I am a pretty open book. And as hard as it was at first to initially be like, I just felt like I was drinking too much. That just got to be easier for me just to say. Yeah. Because I just was like, I just have to own it. Like, yeah. You know, and people be like, really? You never seemed. And I'm like, just because I wasn't slurring or falling down or doesn't mean I wasn't comfortable with the habits I was creating. It And it wasn't even daily. It was just enough to bother me. And everyone's level is going to be different. That's the other thing is like, when you talk about it with people, they automatically are like, want to hear the worst story because they want to then compare to you and be like, oh, well, I've never done that. So I don't need to quit. So we could do that all day long, right? Like I could sit there and say, well, I never lost this or did that. And so I I don't need to quit drinking. But really, it's truly about you. Like it's truly about your choices, what's bothering you, what you're ready to do. You can't compare to other people or you'll never do it. Right. There's always going to be someone with a worse story. Right. And that's just kind of like where you see where people are going to fall off if they're going to support you or if they're not. And it's like, if you're respecting their choices, if they choose to drink versus they should have the same respect for you, but you know, expectations don't really work that way. So it's just really about you doing you and what is your priority to blend in with the rest of the crowd and drink because they do 
which jeopardizes how you feel. And, you know, you kind of repeat that cycle of like guilt and shame and this, this abuse. And it's like, or you can just say, I'm going to hold my ground. I don't want to drink because this is a choice that I've made. You've chosen mm-hmm. to drink and that's you too. So it's cool. Yeah. It's hard. And you know, from competing that sometimes you have to make hard choices yeah. to get the result you want. And that I found that too. Like I felt amazing. Like I felt truly some of the best I'd felt, especially since, I mean, even probably before having my baby, because I just had removed all of that out of me. And the other thing, what's nice is once I like decided I wasn't drinking for the 37 days, I didn't even have to think about it. So like if we were going to a neighbor's or if we were, did have a social function, it wasn't like, Oh, am I going to drink or not? How many am I going to have? I just knew I wasn't. And so I didn't, that like, wasn't even like a worry for the night. But yeah, I think it's interesting that we're in a society now. My sister always used to say this because she's not a big drinker just in general. Like alcohol just isn't her thing. And so she always was like, I just think it's interesting why people ask, why aren't you drinking? Like if you go somewhere and everyone gets a glass of wine, but you don't, they either think you're pregnant or they're they're like, something's wrong. Why isn't she drinking? That's just kind of a weird question. You don't ask someone like, why aren't you smoking cigarettes tonight? You know? (laughs) Right. Or like, why aren't you doing cocaine? (laughs) Yes. Why? When you say it with cocaine, it actually is kind of like, you realize, yeah, it is backwards. Yeah. Because it truly is addictive, you know? Or why are you drinking? Yeah. Yeah. You should say, why are you drinking? What are you dealing with for the day? What's going on that you feel like you have to drink? Yeah. So. It is true. I know. I've definitely been that person that's asking people why they're not drinking, but just like younger phases. And then I grow up and I'm an adult now and I'm like, oh, I was, I was that a-hole. I was like trying to get fun, but. I'm 100% guilty of all of the above. So that's been very (laughs) interesting just in general is like re-examining things that I've done in the past and probably will do again. You know, I'm learning so much about myself in this journey. So much about myself. I think so. that's awesome in itself. Like just doing this, just that experience just to, cause you never are, we're never done growing. We're never done learning. Like you said, like you turned 37 and decided you wanted to do this. I'm like 35. And I was like saying like, I learn new shit about myself every day. <laughs> like right. it's just, it's just, you never stop that like self-discovery and self-learning and like just figuring ourselves out. And I, I hope, I mean, we never do like, that's how it's supposed to be. But right. I think it's just interesting, I guess, like, I guess the word that comes to mind for me is just clarity. Like I just imagine that you have a lot more clarity with your clear mind, I guess, about everything in life or be able to think. And I wanted to talk about too, because you talk about like all the starting in quarantine. So it just made me curious. Like I really wonder across America, like how many people during that time like had turned to alcohol just because either boredom or we're in a we're in a situation where you're really just like face to face with yourself. There's nowhere to go and hide from you because you were stuck inside with yourself all day. All these people in quarantine, you know? So it's just kind of like puts that mirror up to their face to realize like, hey, like this is who I, you know what I mean? Like bring up, I, I don't, I don't say demons, I guess, internal demons, but kind of, right? Where people had to really like spend a lot of time with their, themselves these past few months. So I'm curious how many of those people didn't like those, what they saw about themselves and then turned to alcohol or vice versa. You know, so it's interesting that you started off drinking and then decided, no, like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I'm going to like switch and go the other way. 
just things I would be curious to find out. Yeah, I think there, I think there were a lot of people that created unhealthy habits in quarantine. You were home, you probably ate worse, you, you know, the gyms were closed. I think Alcohol there were lots hard. of ex- reasons to have an excuse, right? Like, yeah. why couldn't you drink? Because tomorrow you weren't going to work. Yeah. So it, it was kind of, um, I think for a lot of people, it upped all of those issues, unfortunately. Yeah. And then going into summer probably didn't help with some of them. Yeah. Right. It was almost like a vice, you know, it just kind of, it's like, mm-hmm. it's because we're, when we're faced with uncertainty, we're like, we don't know what we're doing. So we just reach for the closest thing. And if you got a bottle on hand, because like you said, it's so socially acceptable that you wouldn't think twice about it. But then when you find yourself doing the same thing over and over for, you know, every day of quarantine, it's just, it, it becomes that habit intentionally or not. Right. And um, like now you have to undo that intention. But yeah, I mean, I think at the beginning, I kind of found myself not intentionally, but it was just kind of like, because my lifestyle really hadn't changed much since quarantine because I'm, I'm such an introvert anyway. I love being home. <laughs> and uh, I was just like, yeah, well, we'll give it a shot because I can't go to the gym tomorrow. And, you know, but I, 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 I like that fact where I, I've always, that I've gotten older, I've gained more control over how I managed my alcohol and it was just a nice place to say, okay, I can stop at one or two drinks mm-hmm. and having yeah. that control. And that's just really having that awareness of like where you find yourself out of control to really reel it back in. Yeah. And we, in quarantine, it was interesting because it wasn't like for us or for me, it wasn't always daily and it wasn't a lot at one time. So it wasn't like we were getting drunk every night or you know, some nights it would be just like two glasses of wine, cooking dinner, and then having another one, and maybe one more after the baby goes to bed, which that adds up. But I think what kept like irking at me is when I grew up, my parents didn't, my dad's allergic to alcohol. My mom is a very controlled drinker. So she, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen her drunk ever. So we didn't have it in the house, like growing up with it. And so then when we were in quarantine and drinking was just becoming like four or five times a week, I would look at my daughter and I'd be like, I don't want her growing up with this being a norm. Like it wasn't a norm for me. I don't want this to be a norm for her because what is that setting her up for? And then I looked around at some like neighbors and uh, friends and it was a norm in their life and their kids were older. And I was like, I, I don't think I want that at all. So it was, it was a wake up call for like to examine my alcohol habits, but also like, what do I want for her in the next 21 years because I don't want her to see a mom or dad that's like, well, mommy had to hang out with you all day. So I need some wine. I would, I don't want her to feel that ever because I didn't feel that. And I think we, I think society makes that like, you know, we have our mommy juice because mommy was hard and all that stuff. And I was like, that's kind of putting it on your kid. Like I had such a hard day with you that I have to drink. I don't, I don't love that at all. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're like scapegoating that. And so if you take that responsibility, it's really just about the ownership of how you're managing your emotions and behaviors. Although they are. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I thought there was a few things that just made me when, like I said, when I would lay my head down at night, I was just like, I'm just not comfortable with something. And I think this is it. Yeah. And let's just eliminate it and see if it is and see if I can just be a better version of myself without it. You should take all, um, I'm also thinking too, like all the money people would save too. You should take all your wine money and just put it in a fund. Right. (laughs) I I mean, it is crazy. Like seriously, because I have since bought White Claws because I'm not a liquor drinker and I'm not a big beer drinker, but I've since bought 
six white claws and one bottle of wine. And you do notice it in the grocery bill because then you kind of get like particular about what you're drinking, you know? It's insane. It's ridiculous. It's a ton. Yeah, it is. This has been good. I think there's a lot of good takeaways and a lot of good things people would get from listening to this, myself included. Like I kind of like, I'm like sitting here listening to this because I'm like, damn it. Like I just bought some wine in this wine (laughs) subscription thing. But then I'm also kind of like, God, I should do sober September too, which leads me to this too. So just in wrapping up as well, because I know if anyone's listening to this and maybe you're thinking like, damn it, I feel like I'm drinking too much or maybe I want to be a part of this sober curious movement or just learn more about what alcohol does to my body or anything like that. Obviously on our Facebook, the Confident Woman Facebook page, you can feel free to join there if you are just looking for support in any of those areas too. I'm not going to volunteer Morgan because I know she has her own life and her own. You can. I'm completely fine with that. Truly. You can put out my Instagram. Anyone can message me if that's, like I said, I'm not an expert. I can't help with anything with like the actual physical addiction. If someone, and they talk about that in the book, if someone's physically addicted to alcohol, they do need to seek treatment. This is not going to be that treatment for them. But if someone to try sober September, I would be more than happy to check in on them and it would be completely well, thank confidential. Thank you for offering that. I think that's awesome for yeah. people to know. Yeah. So we'll put your um, Instagram info in the show notes too. So if somebody, if you want accountability and you want it to be confidential, then uh, you have some options of some people that can help. Yep. And I'll be doing it right there with you. Yes. So <laughs> I might join. We'll see. I will do it there too. So well. Awesome. Well, thanks, Morgan. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Confident Woman podcast. For more ways to connect with us, check out our Facebook group. It's the Confident Woman on Facebook. There's a ton of amazing ladies in that group that you can connect with as well. My Instagram is at Aaron underscore travels for life. Make sure you go ahead and follow that and follow Rachel as well. What is yours, Rachel? You can follow me on all social medias at I am Rachel Brooks. Awesome. Thanks so much. Look forward to checking you next week.